0: To the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table podcast. This is Rob. On the show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal connection to a current or classic release. You can find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. And this week, I am welcoming back to the show, Kim Foster. Welcome back.
1: Thank you, Rob. I'm very excited to be here and to talk about my favorite Christmas movie.
0: So uh, this week we're talking about Scrooged, which is obviously sort of a modern adaptation of A Christmas Carol. So what is your, are you like me in that, you, you know, around the holidays and this is something that my mom and I have in common is that we really, we're really fascinated and really interested in, uh, the story of A Christmas Carol and all its many adaptations. I haven't done extensive research on this, but I assume that's probably one of the most adapted stories of all time. Do you, are, is that a thing that you do? You watch multiple different versions of this story or is it really centered on Scrooge?
1: It's really centered on Scrooged. Um, th- I've seen the other versions and I've just never liked them as much. Okay. I think there might be one that has Donald Duck or his his uncle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. McDuff. Mickey's
0: Christmas Carol, yeah.
1: Yes. So, if I've seen any of them more, it would be that one. Now, I know my sister likes one, which I believe stars Patrick Stewart. Right. Um, and I don't think I've seen that. And I would think that one would be good because I like Pat- Patrick Stewart. But um, Scrooge, to me, is a really good version of A Christmas Carol. And it just, I don't know, it hit a chord and it's my favorite Christmas movie.
0: No, it's wow. a solid, it's a solid pick. There are, uh, there's so many, there's a bunch of versions that I, I saw growing up. Uh, the Mickey one, like you mentioned, uh, <laughs> the Muppet Christmas Carol, big Muppet fan over here. That's one of my favorites. That's ones. true.
1: There is the Muppet version.
0: <laughs> With Michael Caine, which the, the cool thing about that version is that you can almost take the Muppets out. And it's like Michael Caine delivers a pretty... Solid performance as as really the only main human actor in the movie, and, oh my and he's he's so good in that. It's just it's an impressive performance just on its own. But it's become a thing that there are so many versions. Like everyone has at least one version of the story that they break out every Christmas. And you know, for Kai and I, there are a few Christmas movies that that we watch on a regular basis. uh, that we both enjoy equally, you know, and Mm -hmm. this is one of them. This is maybe one of the only ones that, you know, I'll be like, you want to watch this? She's like, "Eh." but this, she's like, when are we going to watch Scrooge? And and so I saved this one uh, to watch, you know, together because she, she really enjoys it. And I think she grew up with it as well. So uh, were you already a, I guess, I guess we should just, let's talk about Bill Murray generally and then we'll talk about, this movie itself are you a big bill murray fan uh, in general or is or does this yes. just a, okay there you go i had a yes. feeling
1: <laughs> i mean <laughs> stripes you know caddyshack although he's not my favorite in caddyshack mm-hmm. but stripes ghostbusters yes Groundhog so Groundhog. i always liked bill murray and to have him star in this it, it just i thought he did such a good job the, you see the evolution of his character, which I just think I liked it. And it was modern for the time. I started right, thinking right. about that today. I mean, it was made in 18, 1988. So it's 32 years old.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's the math. Yeah. yeah. So it's an older movie. But I just never, it doesn't feel like it is.
0: I think maybe the, you know the some of the technology obviously, but like and some of the fashion. But other than that, it doesn't. It, it feels to me. I, I think, and there are probably other modern. There's other modern versions of a Christmas Carol, uh, but I feel like this might have been what really popularized that approach to the story. And it's just such a classic. You know, I, I found myself really drawn over the years to redemption arcs. It's two of my favorite uh, Christmas stories are A Christmas Carol and the Grinch because they're both like this grumpy person who's living on their own cut off from the world and then you know develops a heart basically by the end Mm -hmm. and there's something that I I, you know I've really over the years noticed that that's an arc that really I really respond to I really love you know uh one of my favorite movies is Jerry Maguire which is very much that kind of movie yeah he starts off sort of like you know just like a, a you know kind of a suit and like it, it, throughout the course of it develops like a, not only a sense of conscience of what he's doing and how it's affecting people And then by the end it's kind of like self-actualizes I guess a little bit and mm-hmm. as the kids say now living his best life And I think I think that there's something really universal in that Theme and I think that's probably a big part of why uh, Why people keep going back to it in versions of a christmas carol itself
1: Well, you mentioned the word redemption and mm-hmm. I think that's <clears throat> excuse me Interesting because that's one of the things Kelly mentioned, that he likes so much, and that's what he looks for in movies, is redemption. Mm-hmm. And this movie definitely demonstrates that. His yeah. character has redemption at the end. You might not say that for like, you know, National Lampoons Christmas Vacation. Right. Um, there may not be much redemption in that one. Although if we searched for it, we could find it. That's my second favorite Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. But um, in Scrooge, you do have redemption for his character.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, yeah. and it's it's helpful that Bill Murray has that range. And I don't, I think maybe at this point in his career, a mainstream audience hadn't, really, hadn't really seen that how well he can modulate both sides of that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times in things like Ghostbusters, he's... He's more, or Groundhog Day, which is another one that of... Oh really my gosh, likes. yeah, I forgot that one. <laughs> he uh, he's just more like the, That's also a redemption arc, actually, too. But uh, it, it's all, it's more. He's just the sarcastic asshole who's like, eh, I don't know if I don't really care about any of this, you know? Right. <laughs> just like that's Peter Venkman. That's like kind of his his persona. So to see his his him evolve uh, over the course of a movie, I think is really satisfying because that was such. That was like that was his screen persona. Maybe not quite as intense as Frank Cross in this movie, Mm -hmm. but that was how that was Bill Murray's like his jam. That was right. Was sort of what you went to see to see Bill Murray kind of be like his humor, that guy. Yeah, it's.
1: I was. It's interesting if you look at movie reviews on Scrooged. I was actually surprised Mm. how many negative ones there were. I I never thought some of the things that they were saying, like he, it was so mean spirited and it was really negative. And I'm thinking the people, and these were movie critics, but I'm also thinking the original Christmas Carol Scrooge was not a nice person. He was a mean person. So because Bill Murray can play it perhaps in a bigger sense and a bigger personality he can be more mean and more caustic than perhaps dickens envisioned scrooge to be but that movie was so creative when you look at how they start the movie with the commercials cajun christmas with robert Goulet. oh i know you know. know going through the swamp and you know Lee Majors, you've been a really good boy. This,
0: year.
1: you know. Let's, um, b-
0: before we get into that, let let me let let's cue up the <laughs> okay, trailer, and then we'll. No, you're getting ahead of it. I love it, but, but you made a good point about the reviews. I, like, they apparently, you know, I, I did take a look at that too, and a lot of people are either it's too mean spirited or it's too sentimental, and I'm like, well, which is it? <laughs> right. It, it kind of the whole point is it starts mean spirited and becomes sentimental. That's the character's arc. But um but before we go, let's let's listen to a little bit of the trailer for Scrooged from nineteen eighty eight okay. right now.
2: Frank Cross is more than the youngest network
1: president in television history. Call security. Have him change his locks, keep plus out the
2: Oh, he's fired? But it's Christmas.
1: Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. i watch you out. Ah! He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? I don't remember. A shower a curtain. Did you, yeah, I think you dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We have tried crazy glue. Maybe tried staples. But his life is about to change. Woo-wee!
2: That was a good one. You... Are going to be visited by three
1: ghosts tomorrow at noon. Yeah, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a wash-up. Anyone who thinks he hates Christmas is wrong. <laughs> Come
2: back to Jersey, you moron! <laughs> it's ghosts he hates
0: that was a little bit of the trailer for Scrooge from 1988 directed by Richard Donner of uh, Superman, the movie lethal weapon. But you were saying about the beginning of the movie and how it starts with uh, that cold open the night, the reindeer died. So, so go ahead <laughs> yeah, get into that. Cause I kind of want to see that movie. Is that weird?
1: No, you, you want to say what the heck the night, the reindeer died. So we saw it in the theater in 1988. So this isn't a movie that, we've come across over the years. This is the one that Kelly and I both fell in love with in 1988 in the movie theater before Christmas. And you see this, these ads basically on the big screen and which is, it cracked us up right away. I mean, how creative were some of the things, especially June Cleaver. Mm -hmm. And Oh, if I know your father, he's out chasing beaver and you're sitting there going, "Oh my god, I can't believe she just said that." <laughs> you know, and it's so funny, but one thing. So if I can jump just as they so they show um oh, I can't think of what his name is, but you know Frank Cross goes, "Oh my gosh, you showed America's favorite old fart reading a book. You know, sitting in front of a fireplace reading a book." And then he cues his promo. So this is one example I would use as a movie that has been edited for release. When you watched that movie on the big screen in 1988 and he's showing his promo and they talk about freeway shootings in the original promo, they show it. Mm -hmm. They show... The person gets out and you see the person with a shotgun. The screen then is covered in blood. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And you were sitting there going, holy moly. You don't see that in the movie release. They cut it out. And I think they didn't need it. But I remember seeing that in the movie theater being a little disturbed because they really did show someone. They didn't show the person getting shot, but you see the blood hit like the windshield. Yeah. And you and, don't see that. Well,
0: that, and that mean, makes, I, that makes sense too, because that's what Bobcat, Bobcat points out. He's like, Oh, maybe lose the part with the gun and the blood.
1: Yeah. That's what that's in reference to. Yeah. That's a change that the movie made, but it also, I think that's a better change. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, they actually, if I can, can I leap to another movie? They do that in Home Alone too, also. Because when that movie came out, we saw that in the movie theater. And then you see the released movie. When Kevin sets up the whole house in New York as a booby trap, in part of that movie, they show him looking directly at the camera as he increases the voltage as they're getting shocked, shocked. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. laughing and smiling. You don't see that in the movie release. So that's another example of, you know, maybe a movie company deciding this was too extreme for Mm -hmm. a Christmas movie and they edited it out. So segue to another movie, but...
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. It it does go... It is a very intense opening. And Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, with that would have been... Uh, a little too intense. This is still a what PG thirteen movie and yeah. and it's still a holiday movie. So you're still gonna take kids to see it, presumably. Even though I would argue this is really not a movie for kids. It's like it's pretty scary in parts. I feel like it is. You, you know, especially and we're now again we're getting ahead, but when um crap, what's his name? When Lou shows up, the ghost of John John Forsyth as Lou. Yes that's really kind of a scary scene when he holds his neck and out the window and he's grabbing and his arm, it's like the the flesh and the muscle are and coming he, off it's Yeah. Like, it's
1: God. ripping it off. Yes.
0: It's in, I'm an adult touching that. And I'm like, damn, this is kind of hardcore for a, uh, you know, a holiday movie that was released for, I guess, families to see like, Oh, it's the guy from Ghostbusters. and And Bill Murray hadn't been in a lot of movies. He'd been sort of out of the, he's been sort of taking a break for a few years. This was one of his big return oh, okay. uh, performances. So people were probably like, oh boy, the guy from Ghostbusters is back with a new movie. So all the kids are probably going to see it. And uh, yeah, that 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 part's really, really uh, over the top for this kind of film. But I think it works because it's the contrast in mm-hmm. the way that he approaches the um, the promo in the beginning. And of course, everything, all his overreactions have become so such touchstones, like... In my household, like, you know, growing up, this was a movie we watched all the time. It was definitely one of the ones we made kind of prioritized every holiday season. Uh, I don't know if we... I I was a child, like small child when I saw it, when it came out in theaters. So I don't know if I saw it in theaters. I would think probably not uh, because I would have been five and I hope that they wouldn't take me to see this. (laughs) Um, But I definitely saw... And the other thing is too, I think I saw a taped off of TV version because uh the one i grew up watching well, didn't have the uh father loves beaver uh, reference yeah. and like father's the... out chasing
1: beaver mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh and so that was cut out for probably for you know uh, content and then also oh, sure. for time they had the uh the, the whole scene with him at the award ceremony winning the <laughs> award making a little speech <laughs> and leaving in the cab that wasn't in the version that i grew up watching because oh, interesting. it was probably yeah, probably because they were just trimming for time and they was like, oh, we could lose a minute here. You know, it's not really relic, really uh essential. You know, because they have to fit it within a certain block of time yes. with commercials and stuff. So so there are little differences like that. Uh and obviously the profanity with you know the uh the censor saying yelling out shit every time she gets hit okay. and uh Oh
1: yeah. No. <laughs> these 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 guys are really looking. Yeah, I, I, I can hardly see those nipples. Yeah,
0: the nipple thing, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's like the moment that came on sale. I bought that. You know, so we have the the VHS tape, we have the DVD. You know, as soon as, you know, we could get it in a DVD. We got it in a DVD. And I think that's the Christmas tape or movie that I've given to so many people. Because I find people who haven't seen it and they like Christmas movies and I'm like, well, This is the one you have to watch.
0: Right. So I think
1: I've given it out like seven or eight times.
0: It also, and I think (sighs) the the reviews are sort of indicative of this. It also sort of splits the difference. You know, if you're one of those people that doesn't like the super like schmaltzy Christmas movies, but you also don't want to go all the way like bad Santa route. You're just kind of like, it it kind of toes that line pretty well. You get enough, like enough edge so that you're not like, you don't feel like you're watching something made for kids as we were talking about, clearly not Mm -hmm. made for kids, but it's also not like so extreme that you can't watch it with your older kids and things like that, you know? Right. Well, and this is, we have, you know, a list of Christmas movies we watch every year.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And this movie and National Lampoon's Christmas family vacation are the two movies we watch with our sons mm-hmm. and they want to watch them with us. I would feel uncomfortable watching Scrooge without Grant and Will, right? you know, because we need four people to say all of the lines together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was pretty, I'm thinking it was either last year or two years ago because neither Anna nor Ashley had seen the movie. Oh, wow. And, so, of course, the Fosters made them watch it. Uh-huh. And I think both of them were just staring at us as we all did the line. <laughs> and we don't need to watch the movie to do the lines, as I'm sure you were in the same way. Right. And it's one of the things that makes that movie fun. It's quotable.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. There are There are two... Christmas movies that I I kind of wind up quoting all year round. One of them is Jingle All the Way, which is not a very good movie, but it's sort of a guilty pleasure <laughs> that we grew up with, especially because it's it's about kind of the the crazy shopping rush. And so we used to watch that on like Black Friday, like Thanksgiving, Black Friday, kind of okay. leading it to start off our holiday watching season. And Kai doesn't like it at all. And like I said, objectively, not a great movie, but it's become kind of a thing that we all watch and quote and stuff too. Uh, just kind of a guilty pleasure. And then the other one is Scrooged. So, you know, pretty much everything Bill Murray says in this movie has that, that uh, you know, yes. uh, it's like, um, no, no, you gotta, you know, if I can't work late, you can't work late. If you can't work late, I can't work, can't late. work late. If I yes. can't work late, I can't work late. Like, it, there's so much. Bill Murray just goes off uh, oh, on yeah. many, many instances. And I feel like a lot of, I feel like some of that must be improv. Oh,
1: well and yes i mean and it's like walk with me frank that one hmm. line but my whole family says that if we want somebody to walk with us we just go walk with me frank <laughs> and that's just one line you know and or call the police <laughs> well, you yeah. know when he he wants you know little dormice and you know advertising you know TV for cats. and But it's also the California slime ball. And just, you know, all of these tiny little lines that in that movie make the movie funny. Mm -hmm. I just think that a few people I know who have seen the movie and didn't necessarily care for it aren't really sarcastic people.
2: Mm, And
1: I think that's one of the draws for us, is we are sarcastic people. We like his humor in it. You know, that's appealing to us. Yeah. And I think for some people, it might be off-putting. But I'm just always amused by it.
0: Right, and and in the movie it kind of allows you to go on that journey. If you don't start from a sarcastic or, in the case of this movie, kind of downright nasty place, where he's he's uh, you know he, the way he reacts to the news of the woman that dies has a heart attack, watching the promo, he's like, Oh yeah, I knew that promo would work. <laughs> you can't buy you this can't kind of
1: publicity. Buy yeah. <laughs> advertising? <Yeah. laughs> no
0: um that the way that you know they they really lay it on super thick in the first half hour the the uh squashing the the, the kid's picture and i was like yeah it's crap and i don't want it yeah. on the walls <laughs> like jeez um yeah. no it, and and that you have to embrace certain element of fun in that knowing uh-huh. that he's going to kind of see the error of his ways later on and and come to appreciate all these people in his life and stuff. So, I, I yeah, I, I I understand that in people, but I think again, that's also if you don't start there, where where are we going? You know, where where is the journey to take this character? Uh, and, and I think obviously the movie has to go to greater lengths to establish how 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 much of an asshole he is, mm-hmm. because because it's 1988. It's not you know. It's not Dickens. It's not the time that the book came out. right? It, it, so you can't have him be like, I want those tech, you know, I'm collecting my debts, that kind of thing. He's got to be like, he's got to be a kind of a terrible boss and a terrible brother. And, and, uh, you know, I think, it, I think the movie does a good job sort of grafting that sensibility of the original text into mm-hmm. a modern setting, I guess. Well,
1: we and I love that, you know, he's, I love you, James. You're a great brother. You know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And he gets into a cat, And, but then he turns it around. And, you know, one of the cool things about that is, you know, as he's doing the whole, he's with Carol Kane's character and, you know, the ghost of Christmas present and he hears him playing the trivia game and they don't get the S.S. Minnow. And then he can look in the TV camera at the end and go, and James mm-hmm. is the S.S. Minnow. And, you know, how cool would that be? Because they were all like, ooh, how does he know that? Yeah. And, you know, I liked that little flip. you know, because that's the mystical part. And mm-hmm. I kind of liked that. Um, And Carol Kane is like,
0: The best. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get to the cast for sure. So John Murray actually plays one of Bill Murray's actual brothers. Is plays his brother in the movie. And no, I love that that he you know he's obviously not a good person, Frank Cross. But he I do believe that he does love his brother. He doesn't show it because he won't let himself feel anything because of what he's you know the choices he's made. And that's kind of the classic Scrooge story. Uh, But but he doesn't you know he's not treating his brother actively like crap. He just doesn't reciprocate because right. he doesn't, he, he needs to keep himself sequestered so he doesn't get his heart broken or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I love that. And I love the, um, the sort of meta element of this movie where not only is it a modern version of, of a Christmas Carol, but he's putting on a live production of a Christmas Carol yeah. in the movie. So I think that's another element of this movie that makes it feel really special is that it is an adaptation of a Christmas Carol But it's also kind of satirizing a Christmas Carol at the same time, uh, with you know the the long lens on on the coin flipping down, and Mm -hmm. just like the way that they lean into it, uh, it's you know he comes back and 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 uh, Clara is saying to Buddy Hackett's version of Scrooge, like I hope you're happy with the choices you made. He's like I am happy, you little bitch. (laughs) Like like they, they, they clash every time he comes out of one of those. Uh, one of those hauntings, I guess. Yes. And, and I love the way that they they crisscross his narrative with, um, with the production of Scrooge and, and highlight sort of both stories at the same time. Well, and imagine watching his production with the
1: solid gold dancers. Right. Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim. This is kind of a weird-ass production. <laughs> yeah. You know, midnight, Christmas Eve, you must watch this. And what, kind of,
0: what kind of person would make people put on a live show on christmas eve only you Frank. only you frank <laughs> God. but this you know we've been talking a lot about bill murray obviously and there is so th- this cast though every time i go back and watch this movie i'm like oh my god it's robert mitchum and alfred woodard and you know john forsyth and john glover as uh what's his name bryce cummings who's yes. been, that guy, actor's been in a million different things. I watched, uh, my family and I watched him on Smallville for 10 years. So he's, you know, he's been in a lot of different things, a lot of character actors in this as mm-hmm. well. Uh, you know, David Johansson, Carol Kane, people like that. Uh, I do lo- I want to highlight, before we kind of move into the the hauntings, I do want to highlight the part I really love with uh, his boss, with Robert Mitchum, the part about how you sort of said it with the, the call the police, how he becomes kind of a simpering wimp in front of his own boss. So it's like, mm-hmm. You know, you see that other side of Frank Cross where he's bitter and resentful that he still has, he still has a boss of his own. Yes. And you have this whole sort of corporate siege sub- subplot with John Glover clearly aiming for Frank's job, uh, which, I, which I love all of that as oh, well. Oh, yes. Uh, we already said that if I can't work late. I actually wrote that down because I wanted to make sure we talked about that. <laughs> but I, I, this is also the first time I really saw Alfred Woodard in a movie. And she's a phenomenal actress mm-hmm. in her own right. He has the ghost visit from John Forsyth. And by the way, something else I randomly quote is the, the, because I have committed the whole thing to memory is that, uh, no, 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 you're not a worm beast. You're a hallucination. Uh, Shit. Now I forgot it. (laughs) Russian vodka. Poison by by Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) great, So great. The way he like starts to get terrified and then kind of roars back um. to try and overcompensate. So great. And and mm-hmm. like we said, that scene is amazing. Uh yeah.
1: and as he's pulling his arm and he's like, oh my God, they're gonna think I'm a suicide.
0: <laughs> That's his priority. He's like, no, my image, yes. you're gonna yeah. ruin my legacy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's great. It's so great. Um and of course we get little glimpses into uh Grace and her family life and Calvin dressed as the tree, which all that stuff is super cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously the Cratchit stand in here. And then, of course, we get to Karen Allen, who uh, I have only really seen until you know, in, until recently. I saw her in Raiders of the Lost Ark, SR, and this, and then I actually did an episode on Starman for the podcast just a few months ago. So this, and I did Raiders recently too. So I think that's part of why I think you posted something on Facebook about Scrooge, and I was like, oh we got to do Scrooge because now I feel like it's sort of an unofficial Karen Allen trilogy that I need to wrap up this year. Uh-huh. We did Raiders. We did Starman. We both love Scrooge. This is perfect. Uh, you didn't do with, Animal House? We didn't do Animal House. Not yet. I'm sure we'll get to that. Okay. But um, but Karen, what, what do you think Karen Allen brings to this movie? Because I, I feel like, you know, in on the page, her character doesn't have... You know, she's, she's there, but she's kind of just like the supportive girlfriend for a lot of mm-hmm. it. But I feel like Karen Allen brings such a different, brings so much energy to the role. Just, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Karen well, Allen and physically? Uh,
1: she didn't change. She's the one that continued to be a good person, mm-hmm. who continued to help the poor and to, you know, provide services allows him as he evolves to understand that because he didn't give that one man a couple bucks, you know, and he didn't stay in the shelter. He ended up freezing to death. Mm -hmm. And so, and he's like, why didn't you stay with Claire? She would have taken care of you. And so you, because of her position as, manager or the director of that shelter that gives that the movie the i might not say it as well as you could but the the ability to let the viewer know that you need to look outside yourself you need to be helping others you need to be providing goods or you know like he said take a blanket Mm -hmm. and say here take a sandwich and just say here and it shouldn't be Just on Christmas, we should be more charitable all year round. And that's what that movie is saying. And with her position as being in the shelter, that pulls that whole aspect into it. And so I think she did, you know, she was cute in it. You know, I I liked her character.
0: She also has, I think, just... Karen Allen as a performer has a, such an inherent sense of goodness. Just, you know, she's got such, that such bright smile and mm-hmm. those, like, kind eyes. And like, she doesn't even have to act that much for us to get all the things that you just said about her character, you know, right. it's, it's like, a, it's like a, it, it's, it's the kind of shorthand that a movie can make when it, ca- when it has perfect casting, you know, you yes. need someone that is as good as he is nasty. <laughs> at the right. of this movie. So that,
1: that counterbalance, you right. know, And at the end of the movie, you see someone who has a lot of money and who works for an organization that has a lot of money and he's going to reunite with his love who's in a business that needs the money to provide services that are much needed to those who are poor and homeless. And so you get that feeling at the end of it that, there will be improvements in that area um, mm. maybe just for that town. But that's one of the nice things about the movie In the ending is you just kind of feel better about it all, you know, he, because he also, that's, that is the goal, you know, for so many, you know, charitable organizations is you want to provide services and you want to provide help for those who need it. And I think that movie just emphasizes that. And that's, I think one of the my one of my favorite aspects about the movie
0: because he spends so long just being so self uh, self-focused on his mm-hmm. own like he he says to her which is ironic of course in the, and we're getting a little bit ahead here but in the christmas past thing he's like oh he's like it's, you're right it is christmas it's time to be a little more little uh, um little less selfish if you can put my needs and the needs of the Frisbee show ahead of yeah. your own needs. And, you know, obviously at that point, we assume this is a pattern of behavior that he constantly chooses himself and his work mm-hmm. over her and their life together. Uh, and then just how how short, how short of a not only a temper, but how quickly he turns when he goes to see her after the first ghost and goes to Operation Reach Out. And yes. And invites her to go get Chinese food, and it's like they're going to reunite. And then, as soon as he has a little bit of resistance, she's got to take care of something. He's like, "No, you know what? Forget it. Never mind. Yes. Oh, no, don't bother." And he's like, "Yeah, don't bother. Scrape them off, Claire. Scrape
1: them off, Claire. That's help a someone? really nice. Help yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah." And he does. He literally leans into how screwy she's being and says, mm-hmm. "Bah humbug." And I'm like, "Dude, you don't even deserve her in the first yeah, place." Yeah. It's like, come on. Uh you're lucky she was willing to go get Chinese food with you at this point after after mm-hmm. everything. Um, so yeah, I love I love Karen Allen in this. I think she's she's really great. Uh, and I wanted to also another thing that we're kind of glossing past this. Uh, the thing that he says where uh, I think it's the guy with the mice. He's like, oh, you know, I have this these mice and this thing, and he's like, beautiful story, tell Readers Digest. That's something I say on a regular <laughs> basis, also. <laughs> When I'm like, not interested right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I love that. She, she calls him out on, why are you so angry that he's just why like right so to angry? there? angry? Like, uh, you know, he's just at a nine constantly about ready to snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the restaurant scene, the Richard Pryor joke, which I didn't get as a kid because I <laughs> didn't have no context. Uh, my okay, parents had to that explain just, to
1: me. We were like, oh my God, we can't just believe he just said that. Because, yeah. you know, that, you know, that was, I don't know exactly when that happened, but that wasn't that old for when yeah. that movie made. And we're like, that's just hysterical that they just said that in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's also, we use the whole uh, California plate. No daring that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is no I in T-E-A-M. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> see, we're just going to do the whole, we're just going to quote the whole movie while we're doing the podcast. Oh, uh, yes. The Richard Pryor thing was 1980. So it was a, a, like about eight years before this, but still okay. something. And it's also, you know, he was apparently, you know, free basing cocaine, drinking 151 proof rum, like pouring on himself, right. supposedly allegedly or whatever, and then just like lit himself on fire. So, I mean, yes. it's kind of a traumatic thing that would be burned into people's, no pun intended, burned into people's memories at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he has the eyeball and the drink and he runs out of the restaurant in a panic as I would as well. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and right into a cab where the, the ghost of Christmas past. So I, this, we'll just take this segment by segment, the three ghosts, and then kind of the finale and we'll wrap. Sure. Up. So the ghosts of Christmas past, I i wa- I, you know, I know David Johansson is like a music, you know, a musician and he's like New York. Yes. Daughter, I think, And I was, obviously I wasn't aware of that, but he brings what a, what a personality. <sighs> to oh this my gosh. Jeez. Like, geez, like just his look, first of all, the, the way he looks naturally, plus the makeup and everything that they did to make him even even more uh, impressive. Uh-huh. Uh, thoughts on David Johansson's performance because he is, he is a riot in this. Attila the Hun, Frankie. <laughs> I mean, he was... Yeah, you beat me there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he was... I mean, we didn't... I didn't know he was a musician until just like a few years ago. Yeah, and but Kelly had known that, and he was just—he was kind of funny in it, you know. But he was a good character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not my favorite ghost because that would be Carol Kane.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, everybody's favorite ghost should be Carol Kane.
1: Yes. Oh, so glad I wore my pretty dress. (laughs) Um, Um, but yeah. So I mean, he was good in it and you know you have to he needed to slap Frank,
0: get him some sense and the, uh, as the, as Carol Kane points out, sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention.
1: Yes. And they really needed to do that for Frank. <laughs> yeah. And but it's also, you know, so here you see this tough, you know, network person, and then you go back into his childhood, you know, and oh my my dad must not have put the lights up yet oh, Frank, you know, it's Christmas Eve, you know, and his dad comes home, throws him a package of veal as Merry Christmas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's one of the lines we sometimes, I'm touched by what amounts to a $40 or $50 gift of, you know, veal. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure, you know, and um, and seeing his mom and like her resignation for the life that she has.
2: Mm-hmm. and.
1: It's a good look as to what his childhood was like and kind of as how he evolved into the person he was at that time.
0: Right. Escaping into the television, first of all, just as to get away from his, you know, yeah, his home life.
1: Check the record. I did things.
0: (laughs) Was it the homecoming episode? Yes, this was yeah. the homecoming episode. He's the first one to call Frank on his shit in a yeah. long time. In years. Yeah. Years a slug. Name one. Garden slugs that Marlowe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, garden Worms. Here we go. So there, there's the Niagara Falls thing. Niagara Falls, yes. Frankie Angel, which again, something we referenced a lot. Over the you know my childhood and my life. Yeah. Uh. Whenever somebody's gonna cry, Niagara Falls. And then the other thing is, I feel like I heard this when I you know one of us didn't want to do something. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm watching this or whatever. They, my back hurts. My legs ache. I'm only four. <laughs> I'm only four. <laughs> <laughs> Which <Yeah. laughs> you know our my guy and my daughter is gonna be four in a you know in a, in a couple weeks as of this recording. So I'm gonna have to remember that. Um, <laughs> but all of that stuff, I, I think it gives you that, that much needed backstory for him. And by the way, that was another one of Bill's, Bill Murray's brothers. real life brothers. Yeah, Brian Doyle Murray, who's in well, a and, lot of his films.
1: And I think he's in a lot of Bill Murray
0: mm-hmm.
1: movies. But it also cracks me up because, you know, he's the boss in um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. You know, so we're always amused when we see Brian Doyle Murray
0: Yeah. in yeah. something. Uh, they jump ahead, of course, you know, from his childhood to uh, the late 60s. Bill Murray as a teenager, first of all, no, <laughs> that no. doesn't work. Exactly. If you think about it, you're like, wait, he's supposed to be like 17, 18. I don't know about that movie, but yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> sure or we'll ignore go the years on those. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I did the math eventually at one point. I was like... Wait a minute. yeah. Now he was born like in 1955. Or you know he's supposed to be four. <laughs> Bill Murray was born in 1950, so that's pretty close. Let's yeah. let's just we'll fudge that. But then this Bill Murray, like whatever, 40 year old Bill Murray or whatever, late 30s, whatever he was at the time, uh, as a 17 year old, not not buying it with the hairline <laughs> all the way back, mm, not not so good. Um, but we do get that meet cute with him and and Claire, which I, I really like the uh, young lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you shop around the time? Because if you do, I can I can walk on the other side of the street. But Rumpa. Rumpa. yeah, I yeah. love that. <laughs> That's great. Um, any any thoughts on the meat cute and the frisbee? The, frisbee the dog scene. That kind of uh, you left Claire for Frisbee the dog. Yeah, um, choice, dude.
1: I think it's funny because when you you backtrack and he's in his office, and you know the young woman is. Putting the moves on him and asking him to go to Chinese food, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh no, man, they they eat cat." And yeah. then when he meets Claire and she asks him if he want if he wants to go to a Chinese restaurant, and he just kind of grimaces, but you can hear a cat meowing in the mm-hmm. background. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh man, this <laughs> is like funny," and you know, and I I can remember. During that time frame, people would say that.
2: Mm -hmm. That,
1: you know, Chinese restaurants were serving cat and dog, which they weren't. Right. Um, But that's what people used to say. So that was kind of funny that they included that in the movie.
0: I also think the movie with the Frisbee the dog scene, I think it it does a a good job of sort of illustrating in a pretty short amount of time. Because we get a brief glimpse of them happy and they're exchanging gifts. The, the Jinsu knife. Knives, the yeah. Kama mm-hmm. Sutra, the Art yes. of Love or whatever. <laughs> uh, the the book. And then, and then they have the uh, the Frisbee the Dog scene. And it's within a very brief period, you kind of get a complete picture on how their relationship went. And it and it yes. and it makes sense and it feels it feels not only you know natural, but it, it it's a hundred percent plausible that he would not see you know the forest for the trees so to speak he right. wouldn't see that he's been working so hard that he's been pushing her away to, he wouldn't see that her being like maybe we should tonight, you know take a break for a while and he's like even in the moment being like oh you know sure whatever and he's like not realizing dude she you need to if you're if you want to be with her, you need to fight for her and and like. No, he was fighting for the
1: integrity
0: of the the integrity of the show, show. <laughs> which which I understand. on the one He's hand, dressed as a that, dog, right? I mean, but it, that's presumably going to dinner with you know with Lou, Lou was helped get him in into the door where eventually he became network president. So it's just like where are your priorities? And he mm-hmm. just chose career over love, and you know it's. I, I, you know, I still think he obviously I think he should have fought for that relationship, but it also, it makes sense. That's a choice that a lot of people would have made in that, in that relationship, in that yes. situation. It's, you, do you see that happens career. all the time. Yeah. Happens all the time mm-hmm. where you're in a, in a relationship and you, you don't realize at the time how special it is until it's gone. And now you're in your office, you know, drinking uh Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl, you know? Yes. And and so I I think the movie does a pretty good job in a very short time span of telling the rise and fall of that, uh, of that love story. Yeah. But of course this is all build up to the ghost of Christmas present. (laughs) When Carol Kane comes in and delivers possibly the best performance in the movie, I would say Bill Murray's obviously the best, but like close. It's close. It's I think Carol Kane is not in this movie a ton considering she is probably the one of the most memorable aspects of it. Oh yes. So go go speak speak your Carol well, King praise. I was
1: reading that they were actually going to have a ballerina sub, you know, be her body double for dancing. Mm. And then they watched her dance <laughs> and the director is like, "No. That's just silly." to to have somebody else do it she needs to be doing it because she was kind of just practicing the sing, but they had initially that's i would just read that yesterday and they had initially determined that they needed to have a body double so i think they wanted to have like this graceful ballerina but instead you have carol king with her pitchy wings and you know sucker punching um Frank Cross or as my favorite line, the bitch hit me with a toaster.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, that's
1: to me one of the funniest lines. That's probably one of at least my funniest favorite lines from the movie that just cracked me up. It just, you know, was, I don't know. I just was amused by that, but I liked her. She was, she was just funny, but she was also, you gotta slap him in the face. She grabbed his lip. <laughs> And I, she might've cut him when she did that. If I remember correctly from when I was reading, like she grabbed a little too tight. So there was some interesting, inf- you know, because I think there's an interview with her and possibly Karen Allen about the movie. Um, so just giving some background information on the movie um, and then making it. And I don't know. She is definitely her pretty little wings and, you know, taking him to see the reality of his secretary mm. and, and what their life is like, and his brother, you know, taking him to see his brother and, you know, seeing that nice VHS, you know, recorder that Grace sent him because he had sent him a towel instead. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, that always cracks us up because, you know, VHS... Machines were so expensive back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Versus what, you know, you can get the price of a DVD player now um, was nothing compared to such a new technology. Um, So that always kind of cracked us up. Um, I don't know if I have more depth on my analysis of her character. Um, She's just like the bright point to that movie yeah. you know just to show what what it is like
0: she's also i think she's she's certainly the the one that in my family we we had got the most laughs out of uh just the the, the chemistry she has with bill murray is uh-huh. is insane uh the fact that they like literally like they're literally like fighting it's like not even yes. arguing like like ghosts from christmas past they're yeah. literally <laughs> like well frank let's not fight anymore like they're, um. they're He's strangling her and she's heading him back. It's, it's She headbutts him. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. She headbutts him. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, she, she delivers a real, really strong comedic performance, but also that segment, as you were saying, establishes how Grace has such joy in her life underneath all the stress <laughs> of working for Frank Cross right. because of her family, because of her kids. Uh-huh. Be- and um, Because, you know, we get a little more on Calvin and how He's got kind of this precocious mind that's traumatized by, you know, witnessing his father die, and so he hasn't spoken. So we get that that element added into the story, and it adds a uh, Carol King handles the the you know she her character as crazy as it sounds introduces a lot of the heart of the movie, what ends up paying off. Uh, I would end, agree because it's not just she
1: takes him to his brother, and mm-hmm. he hears mm-hmm. what the brother and the friends and what his. You know, sister-in-law thinks of him really, and then he sees Grace and her family, and but that's when you know the bitch hits him with the toaster. He pops mm-hmm. down into the sewer where he sees the man who has died,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so that's like you said. That's part of the heart of the movie is him getting, you know, realization that there are people out there who aren't being cared for. And he was one that turned his back on this man. Right. You know, yeah. granted the man could have stayed with Claire and he's absolutely right. When he said, why didn't you stay with Claire? But you know, reality is, is that's not how the population operates sometimes. Right. So, you know, that was, you know, but he also, if I remember correctly, he makes a comment that he's in Trump Tower in that mm. scene. Yeah, I think tra- so. Something like that. Because I think we noticed that last year and started to laugh <laughs> just about that. So, and that's a that's a traumatic scene, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I can remember my boys going, "Oh, well, that's really sad," you know. So that's the, one of the sad things, you know. You can say, "Oh, it's sad that he left Claire." And his father treated him like crap, so that's that. But that part, I think, she brings in the sadness, the reality of everything. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's the present day.
0: And it's and it's not only that there are these people that are suffering that he's turned his back on. There's, It's also, you know, the way his behavior is affecting those around him. You know, I think it's... It's him. He's in a position. He's fortunate enough to be a successful businessman and has money and a platform, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, where he can actually do something positive. If not for the greater good, then at least his brother, his secretary, who you know just wants to freaking take her kid to the doctor, yeah, uh, you know, to the homeless man that that needs a few dollars, and he's got lots to spare. It's just it, he is in a position to make a difference or to at least reciprocate those people that, that do so much for him. And that, you know, his brother, that's, that's one of the sweetest moments in the, the scene with his brother, is they're like, mm-hmm. you, every year you invite him and every year he refuses to come, when are you going to learn? And he's like, well, never, he's my brother. And I'm like, Oh, because I have, you yeah. know, I have a brother, I know how that, right. what that relationship's like. And so it's, it's really sweet that his, you know, his brother James is, refuses to give up on him, even though he's being a real <laughs> shit. And he mm-hmm. has for years. And it's by all accounts... Everyone around him is like, "Why do you even bother? This your brother is kind of a lost cause. He doesn't have any interest in in you know establishing that that close relationship." And he's like, "Well, no, I'm not going to give up on him." And so there are people that still believe in him, uh, even though he kind of seems like too far gone and uh, you know doing you know doing his own thing and being in the selfish uh, path. And I think <laughs> that it it takes that wake up call with the the ghost of Christmas past uh, to present to. To get him there. And I, and I love yes. the progression too. The past, the ghost from Christmas past reminds him, brings up, it digs up all the skeletons that he's mentally tried to push away for decades. And then the ghost of Christmas past be like, hey, this is happening now. You could you could do something. You're choosing right. not to. And then the ghost of Christmas future being like, if you don't do something, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Calvin's gonna be institutionalized, Claire will eventually become a terrible person thanks to your influence. Yes. I guess. Uh, and then you're going to, you're going to die and no one will care about your brother. And that will be the legacy you leave behind. Mm-hmm. And, and I I love that part of it. It's, you know, I've been really, I've been really obsessed with uh, Hamilton this year because it was uh-huh. on Disney plus. And so I did a whole like a round crooked round table on it. Uh, it's a couple months ago. And that whole thing is about who lives, who dies, who tells your story. It's about, being remembered and the legacy you leave behind and the diff- the imprint that you leave on the world, whether that's your kids or your philanthropy or, you know, whatever you create or, you know, whatever foundations you start or whatever you, you know, whatever you contribute to the world. And I think that's really what Frank is learning. And it's it's ironically not his brother or his secretary or any, or Claire, that that really, I think, hammers that home. It's Finding Herman's dead body, like you said, he because mm-hmm. he hits such a range of emotion in that scene where he jokes about it first, then the the the, 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 the pocket watch falls and he gets sad, and then he yells at him. He yells like, at Why him. did you yeah. say that? So it's so it's like he he goes through the full emotional experience in the span of like I don't know thirty seconds. Yes, <laughs> and and I think it's it's it finally. It took him literally seeing someone pass away that he was in, interacting with that very same day mm-hmm. in order for him to realize you know to get take that big step closer to uh, to changing his life well, he was so flippant when he was talking to yeah. them, granted, they thought he was Richard Burton,
1: <laughs> right but he was sense. still you know being sarcastic and not being kind to what they were asking or even what they were saying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he regretted that. So that's, yeah, I like the ghost of Christmas present is often my favorite section hmm. because I think that's when the reality of what the ghosts are trying to show to Scrooge or in, in our movie, Frank cross, that's when it starts to sink in. You know, you can tell somebody this is the past and you might regret the past, but you've got to move ahead into the future.
0: Right. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, weirdly enough, it reminds me of Spaceballs, where it's like, <laughs> what, what am I looking at? You're looking at now, now. Everything you're looking <laughs> at now is happening now. And it's it puts it in a real-time context. So this is this is what's going on. You don't see it because you don't care. Uh, <laughs> like go, Like she says... Like, I didn't know his hardware. <laughs> Chris's husband had died, and she's like, "Frank, don't you remember that period where she wore black for a year?" And he's like, "I remember her wearing black, but fashion. I thought it was a fashion thing." It, <laughs> it was geez. a fashion. So so oblivious to everything happening oh. around him. Ugh. Yeah,
1: I she she might be due for a raise, might. And she's like flicking him in the ear, you know. And yeah. of course, to go back to. When he flicks somebody in the ear when they're having the executive meeting and mm-hmm. he flicks some guy in the ear and goes, well, if I was in charge, flack, and, and I then, am, yeah. that's a line we use a lot in our house. <laughs> I might have flicked some people in the ear in the past, yeah. but you know, we, we won't comment we'll too much. But that. yeah, they've been flicked. So
0: yeah so, so it basically that all leads frank to kind of almost have a little bit of a nervous breakdown on the stage uh, um, on the yeah. on the the stage on the on the set <laughs> of the of this show where he's literally almost holding almost holding them hostage cuz he's yeah. just in a panic mode He's like what the hell is happening it's it's like uh he's beginning to feel basically for the first time in forever and he doesn't know how to process those emotions uh you know we kind of mentioned uh, his present he gets the present from James the picture of them, and again, puts back into context like how much his brother values him, even though he doesn't, you know, he doesn't seem to value their relationship in the same way. Which I love that uh, you, you get the the great image of the Ghost of Christmas Future reaching out with the hand, which isn't yeah. which is essentially the poster for the movie. Yes, uh, and, and then is interrupted by Elliot Loudermilk uh, his little rampage. So I, I find his story really interesting too, because that's literally. A person whose life he's made worse actively right. enjoyed doing so, busting out the telescope to time mm-hmm. how long it takes to get him out of the building, and this is like I guess a game that that Frank likes to play It's like yes. oh, four minutes and forty seconds or whatever new code, record. What's
1: it? Code Blue? Is that Code Blue or Code Red? Uh, Elliot Loudermilk.
0: Code Nine, I think. Code Nine. Code nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think Bobcat is 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 a, is a lot of fun in this movie too. And this he was you know kind of. I think in his, I think this might've been his prime. This is like right around the time. he. This was, is when
1: he was popular.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now I feel like he's mostly known for this movie, but I think he does give a strong performance. You get that sort of how it's, he has kind of the reverse of Frank's day where Frank mm-hmm. starts out having, a, you know, being a terrible person in power and then sort of, turns the other way and then Elliot starts out having a stable job, a wife and a... I, I say this all the time when I'm talking about our uh, Kai and Maya's daughter. I'm like, little baby daughter! Like, I do that a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot of the things that he says are, are you know, it's heartbreaking, his his story, oh, yeah. but then it, it collides in this really hilarious and strange and violent uh, kind of shootout situation in the, in the office, which you know nowadays they probably wouldn't do because it's like you know mass shootings are happening all the time and stuff but uh i think it really works in this movie you see the the descent of his life in a single day uh in the way that you know sort of mirroring frank's uh kind of uh, opposite path
1: yeah wife took him and my little baby girl and gotta believe me elliot i'm having a much worse day
0: uh, yeah, and then that that leads right into the the Ghost of Christmas Future, which I kind of already touched on a lot of. That is there a, a particular instance in the, the Ghost of Christmas Future? Uh, I think s- sequence. I think about? it's
1: when he sees a young man
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the padded room, and he goes, "I can fix this. I know the head of Pediatrics. You know, yeah, yeah, Pediatrics. We can we can get this. We can fix this. You know, he's." You know, realizing, I think that part, the, the part about Karen a- Allen turning into a cold-hearted um, socialite, I found that one to be stretching the future, mm. but that's, to him, that would be the worst thing, because he likes the fact that she can't button her coat up, and mm. he likes the fact that she's this kind-hearted woman. That's still the draw for him. Right. And, you know, scrape them off, Claire. So if she scraped them off, then she's going to turn into somebody like this, who he wouldn't like. But
0: yeah, he he would take this pure-hearted woman and essentially poison her life to, to yes. yeah. And she doesn't seem happy at all in that scene either. And no. I mean, and she's really pasty. I always wondered: is she supposed to be? Well, I just think like, that yeah, you know, yeah,
1: heavy white makeup and all that. Yeah, it's just like
0: is she supposed to be very old or is she just like what is I always wondered what is going on with I her? I think
1: that was just their extreme makeup mm-hmm. for someone, you know, cuz she's crying and it's dripping down and she's, yeah. thanks lumpy. You know, that's I just I think that was just an extreme you know, the ghost of christmas future might not know what the women wear as makeup.
0: <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> He is essentially a skeleton with like two little ch- children under the. Which again, that's a reference to the original text. He has two little yeah. uh, people, two little kids or whatever under his robe. So they just yeah. made them like little demon children, basically. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, and you know, he goes in, inside the, the the coffin being cremated, which is yeah. kind of the twist to the classic tombstone thing. Yeah. Where he sees his name on the little placard on the t- on the coffin, and then another really scary moment that you know he's literally in the coffin panicking kicking and screaming i want to live i'm in here and we see like bill murray start to catch fire and everything so Mm -hmm. it's another like very visceral uh moment i think Mm -hmm. a lot more effective actually than a lot of the versions of a christmas carol where he just like crying on the tombstone and then like falls over and he pulls on his you know his bed curtains or whatever I, i think this is way more impressive, that he's just kicking in the coffin and it turns into the elevator. Again.
1: Oh, and it's very, and he falls out and you hear, ah, look you It's just <laughs> like,
0: I'm looking it's so, forward to
1: watching this movie this
0: year. <laughs> it's so cathartic, that that point of the story, in all versions of the story, really, because, yes. you know, we mentioned the Muppet one earlier, In the Muppet one it reaches, the, the Ghost of Christmas Future comes and Gonzo and Rizzo, who narrate the whole thing, are like, this is scary, we'll come back at the finale, and they leave until that moment when Scrooge comes back and they're like, "Hey, we're back. We said we would be," and it's <laughs> it's such a release for uh, for Scrooge slash Frank and the audience because it's you know now he's sort of enlightened and uh, he's been set on a different path uh, mm-hmm. through this series of events and and then from this point on it's just pure the movie is just pure joy yeah it's just like he he's like he's like I'm gonna start with you with Elliot he says he's a schmuck. And yes. and then we get into the whole the whole thing where he goes to the set, catches the coin, and he's pouring his heart on and out on national TV. So what describe your, your emotional state during this whole thing because I especially when he does the speech and he's talking about how you're like, you're gonna want it every day of your life, like I get like a a little emotional every time every I, I watch that scene. Yeah.
1: Every year, we all do. I mean, of course Kelly may not want me to admit it, but when the first time we saw it, we both cried
2: mm-hmm. in
1: the movie theater. It was very emotional. And, you know, you got tears coming out your eye and that was me, that was Kelly. And, you know, the boys love that part. It's it's just an emotional, He's he's there. He's where you wanted that character to be at the beginning of the movie when he was such a jerk. Mm-hmm. And he's there now and he's making the speech of... This is what we should be doing. This is what we can be doing. This is what we should be doing. And, you know, he has the change, which allows, and God bless us, everyone. Mm-hmm. Correct line. It allows, you know, Grace's son to say that, and he's able to pull the changes in. Was just I just remember being so moved. I, You know, at the very end, when they start to sing, mm-hmm. you know, think of your fellow man. The audience in the theater did that.
0: I was going to ask you that. That was something yeah. I, because like I said, I don't think I saw this in theaters because I was too young, but I, that was right. 100% something I had written down here because he, he encourages the men and the women, the real men, the real women. The, the real woman. You know, the one who talks through the movie. You know I who always thought are. that was me as a little kid. I think that freaked <laughs> me out because I was like, he's pointing right at me. He always seems yeah. to be pointing right at me no matter where I'm sitting when I watch this movie. It's very strange.
1: Yes. So people say, so you know we're in a you know half crowded theater, everybody sang. So which, that which, of was kind of cool. the point, right? And so I make my family sing during that sing, <laughs> and if they're not, I flick start them in like, the ear. Yeah, like hey,
0: sing. Put a little love you know? in your heart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I I love the the whole sequence there, and I think. You know, I feel like at this point we hadn't, and I think Bill Murray had done dramatic roles before this, but I don't, I don't think he was what anyone really considered. Oh, this guy's going to be, you know, an Oscar nominated actor, which of course he was about 15 years later for Lost in Translation. Uh, And I feel like this is probably one of those key sequences where you see just how, just how much of, how much range he really has. Yes that in this movie, he's basically playing kind of his Bill Murray thing. It really well, but he's kind of playing that and tapping into the heart here and there. But this is where he's, you know, in that performance, like his voice is cracking and he's like, people are going to tell you that that Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud, but it's not. And he becomes the complete opposite, decrying the kind of person he was like two hours ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, yeah, it's a beautiful sequence. The whole looking right into the camera. And and of course, that's the, the whole point is that it has that, inspirational effect on the on the audience and i, I love that i love the fact that they actually sang in the theater that's so cool
1: they did and as you're watching this you th- i was thinking i would love to have seen this in reality mm-hmm. you know watching the show and having somebody live interrupt it and start talking to the camera um yeah so i just i i kind of envisioned that i thought that would have been so cool to see something like that so yeah that's just it is my favorite Christmas movie. Um, yeah, it's a my, good one. My family rates it as their second because National Lampoon's Christmas Family Vacation is number one for the boys. But Scrooge does number two. Mm. So, I mean, it's a, it's a tight race too because these are the two that we have to watch. And diff- totally different movies. And Scrooge is the one that leaves you with that good feeling, that feeling that things can be better. You know, the the movie gets tears in your eyes, you know, because it's moving, which this is. I have always found this to be an emotional movie, um, along with being humorous. And, Mm -hmm. you know, those, you know, if something can be funny and poignant, these are two good things. Yeah, And that's agreed. what this movie does. And,
0: and then not only, you know, in the audience, apparently when you guys saw it, are they singing? Like the whole, the cast of the movie is singing. Like the, it, it, right. it it permeates the entire film. Like, the, his brothers, obviously, everybody's watching. It's one of those classic things where you know whatever the climax of the movie happens, televised, and everyone, of course, the whole you know a whole cast of characters is watching. Uh, in the Ghost of Christmas Past, even drives Claire in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> makes a little brief re- Yeah, wood floor exactly. Um, and so you know his, his boss even is like, "They're paying your salary, you ass." By the end, <laughs> he's like dancing with his wife in the living room. And uh, the ghosts, all of the ghosts make a, a brief cameo appearance at the very end on the rooftop. On the sort of rooftop smiling with Herman. Lee, with Herman, which is really sweet. Yes. Uh, and, you know, his his boss, Lou, and all of them. It's really, it's, yeah, it's, like I said, it's just pure joy, the last section mm-hmm. of the movie. And uh, it, it's, because I feel like it's a movie. Resolved. Yeah, a, a, but, it, but it's, it's resolved, but it, it, it points the finger then to you. He's looking in the, into the camera at the audience, but also at the, the theatrical audience or the home viewing audience now, I guess. Yes. And he's saying, and hey, you should go out and do something. Be, be the change you want to see in the world kind of thing, you know? Right. And, I, and what, what a more timely message for the holiday season. Exactly. Because, so. you know, and
1: he's saying, this isn't the only time, you know, and that's true, where so many people will donate to charities mm-hmm. for Christmas. Right. Thanksgiving, but not for the rest of the year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's absolutely right when he's saying it shouldn't just be once a year. It should be all the time. You know, you need to be thinking of this all the time because there are people out there in need. And that's just always struck a chord.
0: It's a great movie. And I, I feel like it's one that that uh, you know was a hit when it came out but I, I since then since it came on vhs a lot of families like yours got the vhs got the dvd and they just been watching it annually they also aired on tv like all the time at least they used to i don't even have we don't really even have cable with the whole streaming world and everything i oh, know yeah it's, it's just it used to be on like tbs or whatever constantly like from november from the beginning of november to like the end of december so it, i think it's another one of those like i like to call them like tbs classics where it's just, it, it was a popular movie, but because it was on cable constantly, it got yes. infinitely more popular over time. I think you could probably say the same thing about Christmas Vacation, honestly, too. Oh, gosh, yes. So I, I, it's, it's cool that this movie has endured for 20, 30, wait, 32, 32
1: years. 32 years,
0: 1988. Yeah, wow. I know. Um, so if people are listening to this and haven't seen Scrooge, go. It's, you know, we're recording this, obviously. Uh, bef- before Thanksgiving, but this episode's gonna go up in de- in December. So, do you still have time? Go, go, you still have time to go get a copy and then uh, contribute to your community, like the movie tells you to afterwards. Absolutely. I think recommend that as well. Absolutely. Um, and the
1: movie's not that expensive because no. I, I see it at Target. I think it's like seven bucks.
0: Yeah, well, they have all the holiday movies on sale. So, it's a great time yes. to like fill out your collection. I'm uh, with you. Go watch the movie. <laughs> For sure. Is there anything about Scrooge that we haven't talked about that you want to mention before we start winding down?
1: It's just, I think it's so well done. I mean, we've just continued to mention that and it's so quotable. We -hmm. haven't even touched the quotes. It's a good feeling movie. And it's not, I don't think it's sappy. Don't think it's stupid. It's, it's entertaining.
0: Yeah, it, it's the, it's like I was sort of alluding to earlier. I feel like it's the Christmas movie that can please everybody. Like if you're the sappy person or the cynical person, just kind of meets you both, meets you in the middle. It, it's more a multi-purpose than I think most Christmas movies. And you know, we have we didn't even mention I guess we did mention Lee Majors, but even when, when he shows up and Santa says, It's Lee Majors, like it's I quoted that sometimes <laughs> for no reason. Um, but yes, it's it's a great movie. People should definitely check it out. Uh, yes. Kim, is there anywhere people can find you on social media publicly or perhaps a, a favorite charity you would recommend people would donate to this holiday season?
1: I always, you know, I work on two. So I'm always, you know, look for the, the veteran associations. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, those, that's what I work with. I work with um, one called the Central Ohio Veterans Stand Down, but it's a national The stand down is a national charity and they work with homeless and in need veterans. And we have a local chapter here. Um, so that's, you know, that's where my heart is, is to work with, um, veterans in the military. So, but you know, you can shelters, food banks, if we're going to look, these are where the needs are. And this year is more challenging than ever. Mm-hmm. There's So many people, when you start thinking of, you know, businesses that have gone out of business, you know, people not been able to work based on their jobs that, you know, think of movie theater employees, you can't, you know, a lot of so many people got laid off. There are more people in need, I think, than maybe we realize.
0: Great. You know? Yeah, I found it looks like stand down dot org is the website so i'm gonna try and include that in the show notes as well nice. so people can people can go for that yeah of course uh so the kim thank you so much for coming back on the show this was a, a lot of fun uh, like i said one of my favorite christmas movies as well so I'm, I'm i love that we were able to to dig into it and we'll definitely get you back on at some point i don't know how you feel about the rocky movies but we're talking rocky next year so if you have any <laughs> interest in any of the rocky movies you know where to find me okay <laughs> otherwise we'll, we'll find something else.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much, Rob.
0: Yeah, thank you. This was so much fun. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved.
1: (laughs) Z-R-O-L-O-K-E-D Z-R-O-L-O-K-E-D